very welcome to this special broadcast this evening from Scarif Bay Community Radio on this extremely special day in Scarif, the day of the long-awaited launch of the Scarif Marches built by Tomas Magamara. Now, we welcome all our listeners, our loyal local listeners who, are, who follow us around East Clare, and the people who listen to us across Ireland. But we have a little screen here, and we can see people tuning in from London, from other parts of the UK, from the USA, from Canada and Australia. Because today is a very special day and I'm here joined with John Kelly. How are you feeling about today? Emotional. Mm-hmm. It's an extremely emotive story. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I find myself feeling a difficulty with objectivity. I can see how it impacts, I can impact mm-hmm. on the persona who c- come to know it. Yes. You know. And we are remembering this story, and for the purpose of somebody, perhaps a listener, who has come across mm. Scarif Bay Community Radio through that thing, whatever that thing is called, Radio Garden Radio, yeah. whatever it's called. Radio and, Universe. Yes. Anyway, they found <laughs> us. They may not know what the story is. In, in essence, I'm going to just say that with this story of the Scarif Martyrs happened on the 17th of November, 1920 just almost 101 years ago, four men, known always afterwards as the Scarif Martyrs, were shot on the bridge of Killaloo by British forces. Their names were Alfie Rogers, Michael Brod McMahon, Martin Gilday and Michael Egan. A story remembered for 100 years is now fully told, John. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, interestingly, by a man who has a huge interest in the value of memory mm-hmm. in uh, interpreting historic events. Yes. And that is something which the traditional uh, historians have tended to ignore. Yes. And this man has emerged out of the small parish of Tungreni, your yeah. parish, Bodeich, okay? Uh, well, Budai Tungreni is all the one, you know. And this being. Probably, I'm sorry if I sound biased, the leading oral historian in the country. Oh, without, it, without, you know, without a shadow with, of doubt. And, and, and we're, we don't have to be modest about him and being proud of him because uh, he is also a great friend of Scarif Bay Community Radio. Indeed. And, you know, you as, as, a, as a historian yourself and somebody who knows, knows this story so well, mm. I know that you, t- that you really rate and value the work that Tomas has been oh, doing. Oh, I do indeed. I'd be a good friend to Tomas. Yeah. Tomas is a past pupil of mine yeah. for a period, and then he was stolen. Somebody stolen, went, poached. Yeah, poached. <laughs> he was, uh, as uh, Jimmy Wedge said, he was an excellent hurler. Yeah. And uh, and we used to suffer that kind of indignity <laughs> of a boarding school stealing away some of our hurlers uh, midway. So the, the story is, of course, that Tomas went to uh, St. Caitlin's or Scarif Community College yes. um, up to Junior Cert, yes. did his Junior Cert there, was poached and stolen for hurling purposes <laughs> to uh, to finish his education in Flannans. Yeah, that's right, so, that's right. Um, Tell me, Carol, uh, as a matter of interest, do you think national attitude the national attitude was impacted by uh, the events in, on the bridge in Killaloo the slaughter of the four lads well I have asked this question of several learned people including Tomas and he says that 
And the truth is that the part that that story played in the struggle for Irish independence at that point in the, in the, uh, the war against the British forces, in particular against the brutal, brutal war that the Black and Tans were fighting locally. Yeah. You know, th- this story starts, of course, with the RIC being um, a- attacked, you know, by IRA volunteers and men go on the run. And, you know, it's, it's really important to remember that as a result of what happened at that time, the RIC were literally driven out of East Clare, mm. as were the Black and Tans, mm. effectively. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. So it, it has to have had a huge influence on this, this town, this, this village and the county. And we know that it is one of the best remembered and commemorated um, events you know, in the in the long war of independence, I just want to say this before. This is a a, a, a quote from from Tomas, and then we're going to go to an interviewee. Before I knew the history of the Scarif Martyrs, I knew the telling of it. It was there, embedded in the way people spoke. Ah. And I mean, there you have it. That's mm. his opening lines. Mm. His opening lines in his acknowledgement in this wonderful book. We have been joined by a guest. We have some very special guests in with us today. Now I'm joined by Arthur O'Donnell. Very pleased to welcome you, Arthur, to Scarif Bay Community Radio. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. Good. Um, It's a bit damp out there, but sure, that's not going to dampen our spirits this evening. Now, Arthur, you come to to this interview and you come to this programme and this evening... Um, in a very important sense, as you're representing the nieces and nephews of, of course, of the late Alfie Rogers, and you're also, in some ways, representing all of the relatives of the of the men who were shot on the bridge in Killaloo. Now, Arthur, just just kicking off with this, tell us about how this impacted on your family life growing up. Well, in our house, there was a picture or a photograph of Alfie on the mantelpiece. But nobody ever asked any questions because we knew of the grief of my mother. And it is such that I once changed my hairstyle so that I had a crease down the middle. And she said, get rid of that right away. And it was only in later years I realised it was Alfie. Yes. I had a crease in yes, the middle. Yes, of course. And... My my mother never spoke about it, but it must have been awful, especially for the anguish of a mother, her mother. She heard her mother cry in anguish when the news was announced, when the telegram was delivered. And it must have been terrible also on Edward, my grandfather, to go into Killaloo and to, um, to collect the remains, to be told he'd have to wait while there was a Crown inquiry and then the Black and Tans in, in, interfering with the, the funeral all the way. Yes. And then poor Auntie Nunn, who was in Belgium at a convent, and when she heard it, she... Um, 
didn't come home, but in her memoirs, she said, I received the terrible news that my brother Alfie had been shot by the Black and Tans. This was a very heavy cross for me to bear, but the community were very good to me. Mm-hmm. And in later years, when she was came back to England and she came back to Bath during the war, that um, the nuns used to say to her, why do you always look after the homeless? And she said, it probably could be my own thinking of Alfie. Yes. And she took Alfie, in re- her, her name, in religion. And I'd say yes. that would be, and Uncle Gerald, I never heard a word from him, good, bad, or indifferent. Yes. Arthur, your you, you're, um, uh, mother was a sister. We get you an Correct, a yes. sister of yes. Alfie's. And the nun was a sister, a sister as well. Uh, yeah. So as Carla uh, Carl asked, um, you know, do you know traditional talk that goes on in housing? Uh, yes. Um, the oral tradition, particularly, do you know, it never came up in in stories within the Never, house. never came Isn't up. Isn't that no. extraordinary, Carl? I think it was because the pain was so great, and then probably as children, I imagine, Arthur, you and your brothers and sisters may not have wanted to cause further pain to no. your mum. Well, we weren't aware. Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't aware at all? We were aware. The mantelpiece was there, but we weren't aware, and it was never discussed, and we yeah. weren't encouraged to discuss yes. it. Isn't that an in, uh, interesting, yeah. an interesting point? But a um, son of mine did the project, the Scarab Martyrs. Yes. yes. And she told him everything, but he didn't tell us. To those later years, she felt part of him being betrayed mm-hmm. because she was part of a relay to go and feed the boys. And part of that relay, she felt, fell down, and yes. the boys were betrayed. She didn't know who it was, but yes. she always but she felt, felt a that sense of responsibility that she may have been, in some way, yeah. part of that. Yeah. It's so sad for her. Yeah. Terrible cross to bear. Really. Isn't it? Tell me, do you, is it is it difficult to be objective for you and your your family? And the families, particularly the families, who were who were involved in this, was object is objectivity well difficult. I'm sure we could be objective now because yeah. we have read the books, we have read the pamphlets, mm. we have met people who met people. I have read uh, Thomas McCon Morris, Time of the Tens. So yes. I yeah. probably am more objective, and I kind of regret I didn't do it earlier. Yes. Mm. You know, research it and find out. Yes, yes. but now you have the chance. Today is publication day. Yeah, what yeah. a day it is for it's the family. Wonderful it? day. It's wonderful mm. for the boss. Yeah. Wonderful. And 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 for yourselves and for the rest of us oh, yes. who are part of the community. But also, I'm thinking, Arthur, he is making a significant contribution, isn't he, to the value of memory, which yes. per- you know permeates right through uh, the book. Yes. See, I haven't seen the book. You haven't seen it yet? No. So we that's we, We'll tease you then. Yes, <laughs> you can tease me, yes. But he's called at our house yeah. and 
he told us what he was doing and he discussed it with us mm -hmm. and we gave him some memorabilia that we had were yeah. hoarders in our yeah. house and we thank, thank god for hoarders thank god for <laughs> <me>. <laughs> and we had stuff that he hadn't got from other sources yes. so yeah. we had an idea what was yeah. coming up yeah. and of course we are in contact with our cousins the rogers all the time yes. and we do exchange yes. um, ideas and notions and yes. thoughts Oh. Yes. Um, Arthur, it's, it's, it really is a great day. Have you have, have any of the rest of your family here with you today? I have a sister who will be with us today. Yes. And I have a, the rest of I have a brother and two other sisters at home. But yes. they're, the brother has to bring his wife to hospital and the other two yes. send there. They'd love to come. I know. And you've travelled up from South Tip. South from Tip, yeah. Yeah, mm. okay. Listen, Arthur, thank you. I'm sorry if it feels a bit brief, but I know that you're, you're a man of stage and screen and you're wanted as well by camera crews. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to that now. <laughs> no, thanks a million, Arthur. Um, we, because we're going to go over to the live show, we, we've had to keep things a little short. But we really appreciate you coming in and talking to us about um, your family memories and the impact this story has had on your family. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to you later. Right? Yeah. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you yeah. very much. Shinuil. Shinuil. And actually, a nephew of Alfie Rogers, one of the Scarif Martyrs, one of the four men uh, who were shot on the Bridge of Killaloo. This isn't great-great-grandsons, or this is a nephew. He was representing his own family members. And also, um, there are, of course, I think Martin Egan's niece. There's lots of relatives who, are, um, who have been very helpful to Tomás with his research. Mm. But was something very special about hearing from him, wasn't it? Very much indeed. And, but what intrigued me, Carl, is that the, there wasn't a kind of ongoing conversation within the household about the event. It's yes. as if it was kind of blocked away yes. into memory. Okay, isn't that? Whereas in 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 Jim in uh, one of our other interviewees, uh, Jimmy Welch, yes. it was a constant. But I think it's the nature of extreme trauma, yeah. where people do, you know, often not, and especially in those days, yeah. you know, yeah. people didn't talk. People suffered terribly, and they didn't talk. There was such pain involved, and I had heard that about the Rogers family, mm. that Mrs. Rogers, that Alfie's mother was never able to talk about. I think tell, his father was, but tell me, yeah. when did you first hear of the the story? I was probably about four or five. Really? I, I was living in England, and my father would have told us the story. Um, it was very close to his own family because uh, Michael Brod McMahon was my my auntie Breed's godfather. I was a very close mm -hmm. friend of my of my grandfather's. So the story was always in my head. And when I first came to County Clare in 1972 from England, my father stopped the car on the bridge of Killaloo, stopped the car, I had to get out of the car, walk over to where the stone was, and he said, that's where the four men were shot. That was, that, before I entered County Clare, that's what we did in 1972. So, you know, that's, know. that's in my memory, and I'm, you know, so that's going back a, a few years. But this, is, this story is in the memory of so many of our listeners. So many people who are tuned in this evening are listening and have 
stories and memory of hearing about the funerals, hearing about the way the bodies were treated, or all the details that will be revealed in the book. You know, we're, we're going to go to a piece of music that comes from that very much from that time uh, about that time and, if, and it's the wind that shakes the barley and um, it's by, by Dolores Keane and we might just listen to this They sat within a valley green I sat me with my true love our next guest is Jimmy Walsh from Caraherley, who has joined us this evening. And Jimmy, you're very welcome to Scarif Bay Radio. Thank you, Carol. Um, it's very important that you're here because you are acknowledged um, by Tomas, um, very much so as being a long-time friend and supporter of him. And besides that, you are across a you are you are across a neighbour from across the fields. So you've known him since he was a young lad. Tell me about Tomas. Yeah, if I was to tell you everything about Tomas Carroll, I suppose it would take a long time, as, as, as John Kelly is well aware of here, but I would start I would start with him as, I suppose, when he first came, became of recognition to me, it would be as a hurler, which he surprised me as an under-14, 16 player, like, at that time I was very, very sure that he would be an inter-county player. I mean, that's what he displayed as a young player. And seeing him out on this pitch right behind us here playing against Broadford and see that fella drop on his knees, we lost by a point. And he's grasping grass, he's shedding a tear. You don't get that from every kid at that age, is yeah. what I say. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Progressed then on into St. Flannan's and kind of proved me right insofar as to say he went on with Flannan's to win the Dr. Crow Cup and, and played on the highland surface of Crow Park. And had the job of marking somebody like Pat Carroll and 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 on Kelly to Prairie and you know planning in that. Now that story kind of ends there, except through injury. He was plagued with injuries to this very day, between hamstring and arm injuries and that kind of stuff. And he did come back and play championship Holland for Bodike. I was I was honoured to be a selector when he played and played very well and all the rest of it. But that's the sport side of it. Did you see qualities in him? Jimmy, that, you know, this story and remembering the story of the Scarif Marshes was particularly important to him. What kind of qualities does he show when he was young that history and the stories around him mattered? Yeah, we often talked about that winter's nights as to what motivated him originally and the first motivation that came to Tomás McNamara would be finding a revolver in his own father's cowhouse at a very young age and he looked at it and thought a lot about it and I think that was what kind of started it. Now I suppose I'd go on from there to say to you what, what, what really motivated him to bring back to my neighbour's house to, to complete his book. I mean the last paragraph of that book was wrote in a little village of Corrigan O. Now that townland lies beside Carhurley and in his townland Ballymalone. Those three townlands are interlinked and sitting in underneath the Slivanic range of mountains, which of course the men that were fighting for Irish freedom, that's where they had their bed and their food to eat. Plenty mm-hmm. of safe houses up that way. Safe houses is the war, Carol, yeah. But Jimmy, Jimmy uh, there's something, uh, uh, in case I, I don't get it, because for me it's very, very important. I knew your father very well, okay? And I knew him as a raconteur. 
And I felt that the oral tradition was very strong in the watch uh, household. Do you know? Very strong. Tomás used to call frequently to, the, to your house. Like myself, he was enthralled by the stories your father spoke. And he often told me afterwards, do you know, God, I, I got a great interest in the oral tradition. And that's a tradition that's died out very much now, isn't it? And your father, one day, I was talking to him, sitting on the wall, and I said, Sonny, do you mind if I bring my tape recorder? Gee, John S. he says, I'd be delighted to do so. I will, really would. And the lesson here for everybody who might be listening. I didn't come the following week. And sweet God, your dad died the week yeah, after that. Yeah. Thank I goodness we are recording these You know, it was a shock in lot of... Thanks, John, for the compliment. But now that you mentioned that, I would be the very opposite to the man that has been sitting here, this gentleman in the chair just before me, because once I was able to walk nearly, my father would talk about the fight for Irish freedom and particularly the Scarif Masters. No, we had only an old lamp in the ceiling that time <laughs> and an attached roof. Yeah. What that man would describe to us, you would think you were with Tom Barry and Ken Michael or in yes. Renine or in Galaseal and those places. And, 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 and Sean Tracy at Knock Long and Dan Breen and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But my God, once we were told that story of the Scarif Martyrs, and I think this was proven to us as we grew older, that that was the atrocity that stood out hitting shoulders above anything that happened was in Ireland. Yeah. Well, that to me would be, would be, you know, the brutality and the torture and the length those fine, four fine men were kept in that yard in Killaloo. And, 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 and the, you know, the influence it took to get them out of there, like, yes. you know, war is one thing and, and, and murder and all the rest of it, but this is absolute brutality and the coldness of those British troops. And then the literature that was stored in England, which was as false, as, and thanks be to God that Tomás McNamara was able to unearth that and, and get the it's true under, under the cover. Correct, and get the mm. true story for us of, of those great men yeah. that died for, for to free our country. Yeah. Jimmy, Tomás is a very modest man. Correct. And w w if you pay him a compliment about his writing or his, or his history telling, the storytelling, he will say it's about everybody but himself. Do you Correct. find him to be a modest man? O unbelievable. Yeah. I'm glad you raised yeah. that point, yeah. Catalan. I suppose the other point that, that we must recognise him for is driving to the homes where you had the 1900-year-olds and the cordon doors and Absolutely. it's there on record. It takes I a very special person, doesn't it? To, correct and right. To, not to, I don't mean to work with very elderly people, but to get the very best out of them. He was with he was with uh, Kathleen Nash. He was down in the nursing home in Roscray. We kn we knew her very well. Sure. And sure. Uh, you know he was he was coaxing out her memories. He sure he Somebody was, yeah. very you know. It's Another a man I knew well that he he, he he spent a lot of time with Paddy Gleeson yes, like and I knew Paddy very well and yeah. it was very interesting the stories Paddy had. Yeah. But just can I go back very briefly? Briefly, sure. I, I want to thank Tomas on behalf of the Fitzgerald family and myself and my own family for coming back to complete that book above in that little house in Corrigan Hall where the British came when they arrested Tommy Bolton as fair play to John. He interviewed him the same Tommy Bolton, but they got the Minicar Hurley and the Mini Corrigan over. When they came to Corrigan over, those group of, of fine men. Mike Ryan had left the house, that's the Fitzgerald Holster, he had yes. left that house with his gun, Carol, and yes. the bayonet at that door, 
Yeah. And that was the one which that Martin Fitzgerald had the day he died. That the, um, that the marks would remain, John, the bayonet marks, which I saw. And, they have. and as those seven kids walked out that door to school every morning, the bayonet marks were there beside him. Yeah. And I'd say that was one motivating factor for bringing Tom. Yes. While there was a big tour fire, and Tom sat there, and he spent that full night in Corrigan yes. That's yes. facts. Yes. 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 I stood there near midnight, and we drank our two mugs of tea and maybe small ingredients into it to, to warm the body <laughs> and get the adrenaline and flow. My yeah. late father used to refer to smartening up the tea. You know, have you anything to smarten it up? Yeah. Yeah. But you have no idea what that meant as I town know. as those three little towns. I, because I told you. If it's Gerald Homestead, and would you believe it? Because of probably of those bayonet marks and that jam at that door, John, mm. those men refused, the Fitzgeralds refused to sign that law, their oath of British allegiance to become Australian citizens. Of course, yes. of course. Yeah. And well, we're very proud of them for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you come from, you see, Carl, uh, uh, Jimmy comes from an area, from a, a, a small town land. Oh, I know it That well. is exceptionally strong, was exceptionally know, strong on the oral tradition yeah, which yeah. I mentioned earlier and you, you're you know I'd love to stay talking oh, I would Jimmy too. but we've only got a minute I think left I think Is we've got about, about a, minute. a minute have you a greeting for Tomas he'll be listening to this on yeah. podcast afterwards yeah. so when, he, when it all comes down and, and he can take a, a breath next week or whatever yeah. he'll listen to it do you have a message for him tonight oh sure I would class him as the closest friend I have in the world and my admiration for Tomas Mac especially on John's point for like we said you know what you say about Irish culture and as John says bringing back the past as you know I mean that horse house where he finished that book if you know what that entailed that's what I struck my first hole and ball in the bay and at the really? end of that house mm-hmm. in Fitzgerald's that's yeah. where we learned our game of handball John mm-hmm. Fitzgerald's yes. and Corrigan o. which yes. we enjoyed together do you mean correct and right John <laughs> correct a wonderful game of handball yeah. but that's where we started our handball in that little homestead where the British painted the gems of that door yeah and yeah. we would take that to the graves you will. We will. So you, you, you've been hugely influenced by, by the environment in which but you grew up. But I mean, up. there's only the one, Tomás McNamara, you yeah. know, wonderful parents, great homestead. His yeah. brother Donald in New Zealand that played great Holland for Braik yes. for years, and Myra played great Camogie for yeah. Braik and Breed. Dan and enemy, his two parents, yeah. he couldn't put be a great man with the parents he had, you know. And he dedicated the book to Dan, didn't he? He yes, did indeed, he, he did, well put, Carol. To his father. Yeah, I Listen, love that. Jimmy, we'll have to uh, meet again very shortly, I think, ourselves, <laughs> and, and chat about an awful lot of things. And you have a wealth of... of, of history within your own within your own family and we hope on Scarif Bay and I mean that to get to the story of Sonny Welch anyway we'll have to leave that there for now and thank you so much enjoy the launch go and take your seat now and because it'll be starting fairly soon and we have to go over to the thanks very much I very much appreciate being part of this thank you so much Jimmy well now that was just great to hear from from Jimmy. And I think, John, Jimmy Welsh is representing so many friends of Tomás's. And you, you can tell why Tomás spent so much time, as you say, in that particular house. Absolutely. And how important yeah. that would be to him. He, uh, Jimmy is he's a mirror image of his father. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it emphasised, you know, the the value. And that would be the late Sonny Welsh. That would have been the late Sonny Welsh. Yeah, there are Sonny Welshes, Carl, all over the place, but they do die. Yes. And we don't get to always record them. Yeah. And that was another creative piece of work by by Tomás, 
to develop the Quivenu and Chlor. Absolutely. I and mean, that's worth mentioning tonight, actually. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It is worth mentioning. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. and, um, and other counties, you know, have taken up the actual flag yes. and um, seek his advice. Yes. On how to actually get it going. Yes, I know he's he's working in West Waterford. He's working in Donegal. You oh, know, he's yeah. he's really he's he's a, he's a, a wanted a man in demand. And actually, speaking about a man in demand, yeah. he's a few feet away from us in the hall at the moment. Uh, he's still signing books. There's a queue for the books. Just want to tell our listeners that his book is available. If you're not here, don't worry. You can get it online from www.merciapress.ie. For those people not who don't like online shopping, it will be available in all good book all good bookstores and our local shops. I just can't say which at the moment. And you can say 20 euro. It's 20 euro. 20 euro. And it's yeah. a, I just want to say, I've only read it on Kindle. I'm waiting to get the, the book. I've only scanned it on Kindle. I, 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 at four o'clock in the morning the, yesterday, I was so anxious to read it and it is an absolute page turner and I said to you and you will have read plenty of history books in your time John but not all history books are page turners and not all at four o'clock in the morning (laughs) (laughs) no so there you go listeners okay Carl just before you go the listeners might be interested to know where in the world at this point at six o'clock on this particular Saturday evening at the launching of Tomás McNamara's book uh, where are they listening? They are in Cape Town. We're wow. getting it on the on the screen. Uh, Dubai, Killarney, Killala, London, Coventry, Dublin, Cork, Galway, and some other small places around Ireland. Yes. Uh, Villamora. How about that? Villamora. New York and Australia. So, uh, um, but yes, I have to come in now. Ah, uh, yeah, no, but that's not bad, is it? For a starter, yes. And for those who may, if you know somebody who's missed this show or missed the launch, this will be available shortly. The podcast of this event will be available on Scarif Bay Community Radio, and you can get that from Carl. Carl. I have to, I have to give you another contextual uh, piece uh, in relation to where Tomas comes from and Jimmy Welch, mm-hmm. so that. People can buy into the ambience uh, that nurtured these lads. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Jimmy is Carrigno, or close enough to it, uh, and there is a valley between Carrigno and uh, Kilban, known as Blackguards Valley. Yes. Uh, that evening that I sat on the wall with Sonny, he told me about mm-hmm. uh, Blackguards Valley. Um, there was a tendency in the 19th century, uh, as he described it, uh, for a bit of sheep uh, borrowing uh, to go on. <laughs> Somebody might refer to it as stealing. Mm-hmm. And they they came from the, the Kilban side. I'm not saying they were Kilban people, but they came from that side of the mountain and they had pathway through the wet uplands mm-hmm. into Corrigno, whip the sheep and go back again. And you see, because they knew where the footstones were, they were able to hop around. Mm-hmm. Anybody who didn't know the nature of Blackguard's, the, ge- the geography of Blackguard's Valley, who didn't know the nature of it, they couldn't catch them. So there were many stories associated yeah. with that. And of course, Jimmy was being fed this yeah. 
And so is Tomas. And, you know, it's so, a lot of the, and, and later on, I know, when we go to the live event, we're going to hear some of the, um, the, the, the songs and uh, the ballads, which are very much associated with the Scarif Martyrs, which we, we're purposely not playing ahead of time because that may happen later. And there's some live music. But we're actually going to go to uh, Planksty now, and we're going to hear Only Our Rivers Run Free. What joy are in eyes that can see When there's sorrow in sunshine and flowers And only her rivers run free So, John, we're coming to the end of this preview, I suppose. Um, uh, we were like the warm-up act, I think. Is that what you call us? I think we'll call us the warm-up <laughs> act. We were the support group yeah. and uh, for, the, for the main event, which is going to happen. Um, we'd like to thank our sound engineer. Oh, marvellous man. And Luke. he is a great man, Luke. And we would also like to thank everybody who's contributed towards the, towards this programme because we always have loads of help. It's more than ever, just the presenters. So, and thank Jim Collins, who's out and get, getting uh, more interviews out there in the crowd. So it'll be nearly ready to go over. But just before we go over to the live event and the launch um, of the Scarif Martyrs book, um, we have one last guest um, a man who is very, very special also in Tomás's uh, life and a man who, who, whom he got huge. He sat down for hours and hours and hours and heard the stories that Tommy Holland was able to tell him about what happened down in Williamstown when the men were captured. And, and you know, Tommy Holland has been a huge support to Tomas and he's going to, he's got a greeting for Tomas now. So enjoy the launch. Thank you, John. Thank you, Carl. Congratulations, Tomas. Thank you for your total commitment to, and a very thorough, to this very thorough research into the history of events which took place in East Clare in 1920. It was a pleasure for me to be able to contribute to this research and this is all part of my family history. Many events which happened during Ireland's fight for freedom could be forgotten. But thanks to you, this is a permanent record of the Scarif Martyrs and the fight for Irish freedom. Mila Ma Agod. That's absolutely, that's absolutely perfect. That is so beautiful. And he will really appreciate this because when this is all over, Tommy, he'll be able to sit down and listen to the things that people have said about him when it's all died down and he can take a breath. And yeah. I, I, have you seen the book yet? No, no, no. Okay, so I I got it on, you know the way you can get it on Kindle, a thing like an electronic. I haven't got the book either, but I've seen it. I bought the electronic version of it. Of course, I want the real book, you know, <laughs> but um, to hold and to be signed and everything. But 
it is an absolute page turner the way that it's written. You know, okay, it's brilliant. just yeah. it's like it's like a novel. It's it's not even just a hist- a history book. Do you know what I mean? It's so much more than that. It's so full of passion and commitment and oh, genie. I just, I, I, I didn't sleep from about four o'clock this morning when I started to go through it, you oh, know. We're all, we're all looking now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I know, I know. And I, and I just think it's going to be, it's going to be great. And I'm here at the launch uh, with Liz Gillis. Liz, you're very welcome to Scarif. Thanks a million for having me. It's my first time here and it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I feel like I know the streets from reading Tomas's book. So to actually be here in the town, in the area, is absolutely amazing. Yes, you're a historian yourself. I am, yeah. Um, like Tomas, um, I've uh, written about the Irish Revolutionary Period with a focus on Dublin um, and Cork and then the women. Okay. And oh, the women? The women, yeah. yes. Okay. So how you became interested, you obviously know Tomas. Yeah, we met, uh, met a couple of years back in 2019, but see, I had known of Tomás's work, he had known of my work, it's, it's quite a small world, the, the history world, um, and I love Tomás's work, so we just made contact and met up in Dublin, and um, just just hit it off immediately, it was like compared notes, as in, you know, he's telling me all about what happened in Clare, I'm telling him about all what happened in Dublin, but the thing that we have really in common is getting those local stories, because that's where you have the real gems. That's where the real history is, on the ground with the less well-known men and women. And I suppose even though one is Dublin and the other is a rural part of East Clare, uh, there's probably a lot in common. Oh, uh, they're, they're all connected. And Tomás actually proves this and shows this with the book. I'm not going to give it away, but there are so many connections. Like, we all know that Ireland is a village in anyway, but in terms of the Irish Revolution, it doesn't matter where, whether you're in Cork, Clare, Dublin, Belfast, you'll find those connections. All those strands are brought together and they all play a part in the story of the Irish Revolution. Okay, and I suppose the reason for your, what is your hobby and your work is that uh, the past is remembered. And, and I suppose you have a, a great view of the importance of that. Oh, definitely. We need to know where our past. We have to know our past and we cannot forget the sacrifices that were made by those previous generations. And what I love about Tomás's work, um, and, and I would be similar as well, is that we're really interested in getting out those stories that haven't been heard in a long time or haven't been heard before. Because as I said, that's where you find the real, the real nuggets of history. Because we all know the big stories. But you can't have the big stories without those little stories. They all feed into it. And, and it's just such a, a rich resource. There's so many stories still yet to be discovered. And Tomas is, is just shown, is, is a shining example of what you can do when you bring it down to the local level and the value of oral history and how important oral history is in telling this story of our past because you're getting the human side of it. And I suppose sometimes there can be a conflict 
between, you know, maybe at, at academic level, between the, the written history and where there are multiple sources, yeah. and then the oral history where you're talking to an older person who was talking to somebody 50 or 60 years ago and bringing you their story. Yeah, and again, Tomás totally shows the, the, the huge importance of oral history because oral history, the, the people kept those stories alive through the generations. There were records kept, official records. They have now been released thanks to military archives. And whereas it may have been said that you can dismiss oral history because it is not written down, the records that have been released are verifying the testimonies that were given by people orally all those years ago. So the two are coming together and you cannot, it cannot be dismissed. Oral history cannot be dismissed any longer. It is a, a viable source. It is a, 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 an essential source to tell this story. And I suppose it's the oral history that's passed on by word of mouth is, is what influences generations as they hear them. Well, that's it. And the other value with oral history is when you're, if you're reading a document, you're, you're not getting the, the sense of emotion or the, the, the sort of impact of certain events. They just don't come out of the page when it's an official document. Um, with the oral history, and especially with, with like Smart recording those interviews, every sigh, every pause, every breath, that's actually enhancing the story. They may not, people give away more um, of the impact of an event that happened in their lifetime by the, the silences that they, that they give in the interviews. And that's missed on a page. So by listening to those interviews, and the way Tomás, he has a gift, um, that even when you're reading the words that Tomás had himself recorded, you can, you can see where the pauses are and you can actually feel what that person is feeling when they're recounting that story um, from, you know, 100 years ago. Talking to one or two people, and I'll let you go then, because I know you've an important job to do. Talking to one or two people now, let's say, whose family members were involved, uh, you know, in the IRA or whatever, many of them uh, wouldn't talk about it afterwards. Uh, and would you have found that in your work, that, that those who were involved, let's say, back in, in 1920, 21, um, they, they, didn't, they wouldn't talk about it themselves? Yeah, um, and, and I suppose it's the whole, the trauma of what they went through, um, the loss, um, the sense of maybe wanting to just try and, and move on, um, not forget because they would remember themselves, but to, by not talking about it, it was a way of maybe helping to deal with such, such huge trauma. But then you have the likes of people like Tomas um, and other local historians who were, 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 who saw the potential there, who knew there were stories there and that had to be documented or had to be recorded. Um, and that he was willing to, to go and, and, and ask those people would they talk to him. They then trusted him because this is a huge thing. You tell those stories but what was going to happen with that information. So you have to build up a relationship and Tomas is obviously, he obviously did that. You know, I can imagine him, you know, as a young flint knocking on the doors, you know, saying, please talk to me. I can imagine his enthusiasm. Um, but they trusted him enough to, to tell those stories. Not that they would be used immediately, but in 20 or 30 years, that someday they might be released 
yeah. and that moment has come. Um, sadly, a lot of the people at Tomas that have interviewed are no longer with us, but thankfully he got them. Yeah, and they're part of this story now because, so the revolution is obviously one part of the story. But remembrance is the other part of the story, how we remember. And this is what Tomas has captured in this book, both elements. The story of the revolution and the story of remembrance. And, and it's amazing. And thank God he was so enthusiastic when he was a young lad. And he saw the potential and he knocked on those doors and he got those stories down. Because this is a legacy for the community. It's amazing. Well, I can see this why he asked you to launch it. Because the enthusiasm just flies out of you. Listen, you have a big job to do in a few minutes, so many thanks for talking to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thanks a million for having me. Thank you. No, another man that uh, we've come across here is uh, a man, a lot of Shannon men. Derry Khan, Derry Khan. Derry Khan, that I've known a long, long time. Tony Mugman, Tony, how are you doing? Grace, Grace, Grace. It's a great occasion, Steve. You're looking forward to it, I bet. Oh, gosh, it's wonderful. Yes. Absolutely wonderful. They should never be forgotten. Yes. Never. Yeah. And of course, I mean, uh, with some awesome, with the various yep. books and commemorations that have come out. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, I wish the old people could be like to see it on all bottles, you know. Perhaps they're looking down at us. Well, hopefully. Uh, you know, tell me, your, your family were involved. Your father yes, my was very father, much involved in, he the, was. in the IRA back in the, yes, in the war of India. Yes, and my uh, two aunts coming upon from the same house they all lived at that time in Derry Khan yeah. I'm sure there must have been stories passed down in your family there was <laughs> ones that you could tell now some not so good but your people didn't talk about them that time at all this, yeah she's only for the last 10 years people started talking about it right yes. you yeah. wouldn't talk about her like I know people in the middles that was involved back along now and they were in it and they had jobs and they were in the family and it never came down. So it didn't go on. And I wonder why was that? There was so much badness. There was so much badness in people. I imagine I, you I taking you out and shooting you up against the wall. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, uh, badness. Because a lot of people worked for the landlords. And when the IRS started, they were out of a job. And a lot of them went hungry, no question about it. And didn't they own the English, the Tanza and the English government, they didn't, well, our own Irish government, the Free State didn't give them work when they didn't join them. Yes. Isn't that right, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose things happened during that time that people just didn't want to talk about Well, my father never talked about it. And he, he had to leave the country. He apologised to he, uh, he, was, he was arrested in 1921, the spring of 21. He was surrounded above and above, cut and tore. And Martin Murray was uh, um, the man that hid the guns and kept the, kept the thing going. And there was a man called Jack Brady. And they were taken down to Killaloo. And I forgot how long. He never spoke about it. There were two or three weeks below in Killaloo in jail. And of course, they, they didn't expect to come back. But there was a general amnesty. And before that, they were released and he came, came home and he found out who reported him and uh, he, he wasn't able to take it. <laughs> he, he came home straight away and got the shotgun, single barrel shotgun and went to the village and called the man out, rode across the street in Mount Shannon and he wouldn't come out and he fired and hit the door 
he had to leave the country after that for a year. And he went to Boston and worked for a year in Boston. And he came back because his mother died and his father sent for him, so he came back. But he never spoke about it. Even in later life? Never. Never. He kept it with him. And the only thing is he told me I was buying a shotgun in the early 60s. What I ever wanted for, I don't know. <laughs> but he said, he came to me very quietly and he said, I have a gun hidden, he said. You know, being young and all, you know, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this would have been hidden since the... Yes, trouble. yes, they wouldn't give him up. So anyway, uh, uh, he told me where it was and we looked for it, there was no sign of it. But anyway, Brendan was, you know, Brendan, you taught in one school. He was four years of age and I was taking an old ditch out and my father was dead a long time. I got the gun out. I have it, I have the barrel, but it's all rotten. Uh, I still have it. And how would you have heard about it from your mother? No. Or, or no, 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 from no, 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 or no, neighbors? no, 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 and he, he was always joking, you know, when he had a few pints, we'd ask him about diarrhea, and he'd say, every time I do that, a man is dead. So, yeah. <laughs> he was the kindest man ever walked the face of the earth. He, was on, he had the same policy as you. Don't slap children. Never. And I mean, listen, we did something that, you know, we should have went to prison for. But he backed us all his life. Yeah. He's 53 years dead next February. And he would be very proud of this recognition. I'll tell you a story about him. My brother Jade, you know, he was mad for dancing when he was young. I'm sure we all were. But he had no money. And he came up with a plan, you see, the dance was on in Chicago. And he went up to bed to Daddy, Daddy was in bed. And he said, Daddy, he said, there's an IRA dance in Chicago tonight. And father uh, perked up a bit with that, you see. And he said, are you at the goal? My father says, no, he said, I'm not at the goal. I'll go in your place and will give me the money. <laughs> I can still see my brother coming down the stairs smiling. Yes. He got the money to go to the dance. And next day, my father, I don't know, my mother told him, and he said to my brother, he said, you're an awful timber rigger. <laughs> what a timber rigger is, I don't know. <laughs> And the men beside you, are you, are you from Wilkinson's Mill? Yes. Yeah. What's your name? McNamara. Paddy McNamara. Paddy McNamara. Yeah. And have you, uh, have, have you had family involvement in uh, this? They were, they were in the early, the early part of the century. Yes. Yeah. The Glenwood ambush, for example. You know, before that. Yeah. The land for the cattle. Yes. And the, the bullock for the Lord. What, 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 what was it? The bullock for the Lord. The land for the care for the people and the bullock for the road. That's it, that's it. The land for the people and the bullock for the road. That's yes. where they ran the cattle off, the land of the land out. Yes. The drop them off. Yes. And your, your yeah. grandfather? Yeah, maybe your where his father? His father, yes. Yeah. My grandfather, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's your deal? They were old people. A lot of them people, they hunted the cattle off the land. They were old people. They were old men, wasn't they? Yep. They were. There were great many men. They brought the cattle from Kilgore, they stayed down in the middle, they, they hunted them down to White Gear. And there was, wasn't there a McNamara man in it from White Gear? Tom McNamara. He, 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 Tom McNamara. They went to stop him. I see when they stop him here in the cattle. 
Enter McNamara. Two rifles off of the auxiliary. Yes. They were tough men, boy. Yes, they were tough. I don't know. He was a hard man, Tom McNamara. Was he? Did he set it down in the night after? He disarmed another seaman outside the bank or somewhere. He did outside the bank? He did. Yeah, he took the guns off him. He did. They were stopping them from hunting the cattle. Yeah. Down to Samson's in Mount Shannon, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He took, he disarmed them, yes, and gave the guns to someone, a vehicle, I've forgotten who it was. That's right. When, when I was a child, you know, the, the old house, we moved into the new house in 1909, my father, and the old house was thatched. And my brother and myself used to climb it. And as far as I remember, it was two bayonets I found in the thatch. And of course, we thought it was great. You know. <laughs> I never saw him since. <laughs> or what happened to them? My mother told me, my father wrote and he took him and he well, took him as I, 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 I want to ask you a question. If those, if those four men lived, what side would they have taken? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? In the, in that affair one? Yeah. Listen, thanks a million for okay. talking to me and okay. enjoy the rest of the evening. I will, I will, I will. Okay, and we have some visitors here to Scarif this evening. Who have we got? Uh, I'm Cormac O'Cory is my name. Uh, I'm from Galway. Um, my father's uncle was a, uh, a priest in Scarif at the time of the War of Independence, uh, Sean Clancy. John Clancy was his name. Uh, so uh, he was uh, a Republican sympathiser, and so we, we would have. Uh, there'd be a certain amount of family folklore about his, his, his time in, in, in Scarif, and uh, I'd, I'd be involved in history myself as well, so I'd know Tomas maybe this last. Uh, ten years, say roughly. So we just came down to sort of support the occasion. I know, good yeah. stuff. And of course, your your father's uncle, you yeah. know, got some grief around that time. Did he, he, not? he did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Tomas has any of this in the in the book or not. But like he was, uh, he was basically threatened by the Crown forces, and there was an attempt made to intimidate him, and uh, uh, because of his. Uh, his Republican sympathies because of his uh, criticism of of, uh, of of the Crown forces and of, of people who, who helped them in, or supported them in any way. Like, okay. yeah. And yourself, sir, uh, I suppose the information would have been passed down in the family. It, yes, it was. And yeah. family folklore. Yeah, it, yes. Yes, it, from my mother. She was, he was my mother's brother. Um, he was based here in Scarif uh, at the time. Uh, one story that we had, and it gives an idea that uh, how things are, are kind of change, was that he, he had been taken off the altar during Mass. But I think that's an incident where he, he wasn't able to say Mass because they had rounded up a group of parishioners and um, we're going to take them out to fill in roads that have been cut. And um, I guess Sean was afraid if they went out, they wouldn't come back. So he 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 refused to go. We let them go without him, him, him going with them. Yes. So they were out filling in trenches. Yes. But he couldn't say mass that day. So. And did you, did you know your uncle? I didn't, unfortunately. I didn't meet him until he was a um, parish priest in Portru when he died. Um, but he had a stroke 
and he was in a, a nursing home in, 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 in Eastern Varna. And that was the first time I met him, like, you know. So um, he was uh, he was in no condition that there. He, he couldn't speak or anything, like, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, today, I suppose, for your family, it's a very historic occasion as well. I mean, we're just over the 100 years yeah. from the yeah. event. Yeah. And um, your family, your uncle and granduncle were central to it. Yeah, and it's it, like for ourselves, it's about, I mean, Regard, you know, any, anything that you that you might know through family folklore, or even that you might have picked up through a newspaper or something like, or um, you, you, there's always there's always other stuff that you know, uh, so like, uh, or that you that you don't know, but that that you that you're kind of hoping that you might learn about, like you know, uh, for myself, it's like you know, I'd be very interested in seeing what was passed on locally, what survived, what you know, what memory of, of him, if any, uh, survived. And even even if we even if we uh, if you know if we don't learn anything additional about him personally, knowing the kind of uh, knowing the area that he served in and the and the community that it, that he was involved in, I would have been very much a part of. And in that time, like it'd be it'd be a trip uh, worth making and uh, and a book, book we're buying and reading. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you so much for talking Ron, to me thank this you. evening. Yeah. And uh, enjoy your evening and enjoy your trip to Scarab. Thanks, so. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah.